Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com or you can download the Free Living Truth app. Now here's Pastor Michael's special teaching to help prepare you for Easter called Believe. We're in John chapter 20. The message is believe. John chapter 20. What I'd like to do is read the uh, last two verses. We're going to look at verses 19 through 21. I'm going to read the last two verses. We're going to pray and then we're going to get into this subject of believe. What does it mean to believe in what the Bible calls us to believe in? Does it mean you have to check your brain at the door? Are there such a thing as miracles today? And if so, where do they happen? Why do they happen? Uh, Lee Strobel's written a book called The Case for Miracles, and he said surveys are showing that four out of every ten Americans, not even evangelical Christians, are saying that they experienced something like a miracle. What does that mean? Was it a coincidence? Was it luck? Or was there a supernatural hand involved? Let's keep in mind that if you're going to believe the biblical account, you're going to have to believe in a God who spoke the universe into existence by his mighty power, by the word of God, and a God who entered time and space in the person of Christ and said, destroy my body, and in three days I will raise it again. The cornerstone of the Christian faith is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If there is no resurrection, Paul says, then we are of most men to be pitied because we're still in our sins. But if Christ is alive, then everything is different. And we're going to look at that subject. First, let's read the last two verses of our text together. John 20, verses 30 and 31. John 20, verse 30. John writes, the Apostle John, Therefore many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, John 20, verse 30, which are not written in this book, in the Gospel of John. But these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. That's the Christos, anointed one, the Messiah, the Son of God or God the Son. And that believing you may have, what's at stake? life in his name. It's whether or not you have life. First John, the same author says, he who has the son has the life. He who does not have the son does not have the life. So it does come down to whether or not you will believe. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for every precious person that's come into this place on this Resurrection Sunday morning. We're so grateful. We, we had a very dramatic Good Friday together. The last sound we heard was the closing of the tomb, the sealing of the tomb, the devastation and loss of someone who had changed so many lives and everyone around him thought it was over. But we know Sunday morning did come and Jesus Christ conquered the grave. And he said, because I live, you will live also. We know in Philippians, Paul said that Jesus' resurrection is really the prototype of ours, that we will be raised in like manner, even as Jesus was raised from the dead. And each of us, knowing a world in which death is such a 
sad reality, each of us looks at that reality and says, Lord, is there an answer to this ultimate dilemma of death? Will I see my loved one again? Is there a heaven? Is there a hell? Are there miracles? And Lord, these questions are answered emphatically in the Bible. And the question that really sits before each of us is, will we believe? We look at Israel and we know that their main problem was unbelief. They wallowed in unbelief, though they had seen many signs. And I pray that today, belief would be born in hearts that have not believed. Life would come into lives where there hasn't been. And those who do know you, whether they've been wayward sheep or close followers, they would know a depth of faith and encouragement that they may have not known before. We lay this time at your feet. May it be for your glory and may it have eternal benefits for each. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. The message, believe. The question, do miracles really happen? Quote Eric McTaxis, if miracles exist at all, they exist not for their own sake, but for us. To point us towards something beyond and to someone beyond. What is the case for miracles? Why should we believe the biblical account of the resurrection? There are many skeptics. We have our own questions. Men like Richard Dawkins say the following, renowned atheist. Events that we commonly call miracles are not supernatural, but are part of a spectrum of more or less improbable natural events. A miracle, in other words, if it occurs at all, is a tremendous stroke of luck, close quote. Richard Dawkins, renowned atheist, said that DNA is really what runs the universe. DNA neither knows nor cares. DNA just is. Some people are going to get sick. Other people are going to get lucky. And there's no rhyme or reason. There's no purpose. There's no thought behind it. DNA simply is, and we dance to its music. And people who take that point of view are called naturalists. And you may be surprised to find that the resurrection accounts of Sunday morning into the afternoon and evening, the disciples and those closest to Jesus, we could categorize as naturalists. Of course, they were spiritual. Of course, they believed in Jesus. But they did not believe in the resurrection. When the body was missing, they thought somebody stole the body. The last thing on their mind was a physical resurrection, even though Jesus had been talking about it. C.S. Lewis, well-known atheist who became the leading apologist of his generation, maybe of all time, said these words, Miracles, in fact, are a retelling in small letters of the very same story which is written across the whole world in letters too large for some of us to see. Think about it. If the Lord created the universe, then a miracle like, like the resurrection of Jesus Christ or Lazarus, for that matter, is not hard at all to believe. The fact that anything exists is a miracle. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they display knowledge. Where did the universe come from? Was it a chance explosion? 
where we got all this complexity? Or is there a God behind it who said, all you have to do is look around, look at other human beings, look into the eyes of a baby, and you can see my fingerprints everywhere. Stephen Hawking said, a scientific law is not a scientific law if it holds only when some supernatural being decides not to intervene, close quote. And John Lennox, a great Christian thinker, said, God is not a prisoner of the laws of nature. God, who set the regularities there, can himself feed a new event into the system from outside. Science cannot stop him from doing that, close quote. Just using the word science doesn't mean that God is no longer God. In fact, science simply means to look for truth wherever it leads you. And the truth of the matter is that some people don't want to land on the biblical revelation because it cramps their lifestyle. It may not make them look good in the eyes of their peers. But nonetheless, God says, all you have to do is look around And you will see that I am a miracle-working God. Uh, Recently, Lee Strobel, who's written many books that have the case for this, the case for that, has written a book called The Case for Miracles. I heard him interviewed on a couple of programs recently. And he was sharing some of these miracle stories that he's documented in his book. I want to share a couple with you. And I'm going to play a little recording of a miracle that was caught in action. Let me share the first story with you. In equatorial Africa, far from pharmacies and hospitals, a woman died in childbirth, leaving behind a grieving two-year-old daughter and a premature baby in danger of succumbing to the chill of the night. With no incubator, no electricity, few supplies, the newborn's life was in jeopardy. A helper filled a hot water bottle to maintain the warmth of the uh, desperately needed by the infant, but suddenly the rubber burst. It was the last hot water bottle in the village. A visiting missionary physician from Northern Ireland, Dr. Helen Rosevere, asked the orphans to pray for the situation. But a faith-filled 10-year-old named Ruth seemed to go too far. She said, please, God, send us a water bottle. It'll be no good tomorrow. God, the baby will be dead, so please send it this afternoon. As if that request was not sufficiently audacious, she added, and while you're about it, would you please send a dolly for the little girl so she'll know that you really love her? <laughs> Recalled Rosevere, I was put on the spot. Could I honestly say amen? I just not believe that I just didn't believe that God could do this. Oh, yes, I know that he can do everything. The Bible says so, but there are limits, aren't there? The only hope of getting a water bottle would be from a parcel sent from the homeland. But she had never received one during the almost four years that she lived there. Anyway, she mused, if anyone did send a parcel, who would put a hot water bottle? I live on the equator. A couple of hours later, a car dropped off a 22-pound package. The orphans helped open it and sort through the contents. Some clothing for them, bandages for the leprosy patients, and a bit of food. Oh, and this, as I put my hand in again, I felt the, could it really be? I grasped it, pulled it out, and yes, a brand new rubber hot water bottle, said Rosevere. I cried. I had not asked God to send it. I had not truly believed that he could with that little Ruth rush forward. She said, if God has sent the bottle, 
He must have sent the dolly too. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Walk in Truth has more content for you to listen to with our mini-sodes A Step Closer, where Pastor Michael Lance and others on the Walk in Truth team discuss topics and questions about life from a Christian perspective. You'll also get a chance to get to know the team. Since this is Holy Week, the topic is the resurrection. So if something is that, that's written down reflects poorly on what is being described or what is being reported on, if that reflects poorly... That lends to its credibility. Yes. Because normally we say, well, the writers are biased. Uh, regardless, we're not just talking about the New Testament. Any writer's biased, they want to get their point of view across. But what shows their objectivity or attempt to be objective is when they include information or facts that reflect poorly on themselves or the narrative they're trying to push. Yes. And, and so let's take a step further towards that. So when the women go to the apostles who are supposed to be the brave followers of Christ, right. they say... The, the women have lost their minds, to paraphrase. They do. They're just crazy tales. They, they don't believe it, which is another embarrassment yeah. because, of course, the, the documents go on to say that Christ is risen and it becomes crystal clear. But the, the way that it, this is written down, and we believe it corresponds exactly to what happened, is that they don't believe. They have no faith. To listen to the Walk in Truth mini-sodes a step closer, follow Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app like Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcast, and more. Again, follow Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. Said Rosevere, I cried. I had not asked God to send it. I had not truly believed that he could with that little Ruth rush forward. She said, if God has sent the bottle, he must have sent the dolly too. She dug through the packaging and found it at the bottom of the parcel, a beautifully dressed doll. Asked Ruth, can I go over with you, mummy, and give this dolly to that little girl so she'll know that Jesus really loves her? The parcel had been packed five months earlier by Rosevere's former Sunday school class. The leader, feeling prompted by God, included the hot water bottle. A girl contributed the doll. And this package, the only one ever to arrive, was delivered the same day Ruth prayed for it with the faith of a child. A mere twist of fate, an embellished yarn, or perhaps a miracle. Dwayne Miller's greatest enjoyment came from preaching at his small church and singing songs of worship. It wasn't just his livelihood to lead a Baptist congregation in Brenham, Texas. It was his passion, his calling, his source of joy and satisfaction. When he awoke with the flu one Sunday morning, his throat was like sandpaper and his voice would catch on his words. Each syllable was painful to speak. The flu soon disappeared, but his windpipe remained ablaze. His voice reduced to a raspy whisper. His throat felt constricted as if someone were choking him. For all practical purposes, Miller's voice was gone. No longer able to preach, he resigned from his pastorate. He eventually landed a government job researching records, a position that he then lost because of his inability to speak meant that he couldn't testify in court about his findings. Insurance stopped covering his treatments, and he faced thousands of dollars in medical bills 
He said, for the first time in my life, I felt utterly useless. My income, my future, my health, my sense of well-being, all were suddenly beyond my control. It was a terrifying and humbling experience. Over three years, he was, he was examined by 63 physicians. His case was even scrutinized by a Swiss symposium of the world's leading throat specialists. The diagnosis, the flu virus destroyed the nerves of his vocal cords, rendering them limp. When Miller asked about his prognosis for recovery, a doctor told him, zero. Despite Miller's protestations, his former Sunday school class uh, at First Baptist Church of Houston prevailed on him to speak. A special microphone was used to amplify Miller's soft, hoarse, croaky voice. The class agreed to endure the grating sound because of their love for him and his teaching. Ironically, his text was Psalm 103, where the third verse reads, God heals all your diseases. Miller said later, with my tongue I was saying, I still believe that God heals, but in my heart I was screaming, but why not me, Lord? He went on to the next verse, which says, the Lord redeems your life from the pit. He told the class, I've had, uh, I have had and you have had in times past pit experiences. As soon as he said the word pit, the choking sensation disappeared. Now for the first time in three years, he said, I could breathe freely. I heard a gasp from the crowd, and that's when I too realized my voice had come back. I could hear myself. His stunned audience began to clap and cheer, shout and laugh. His wife, Joylene, broke down in tears. I don't understand this right now, Miller stammered with a fresh new voice. The dramatic moment of Miller's recovery has been captured on an audio tape, which went viral. Subsequent doctor examinations showed his throat looks like it never had any problems. In fact, against all odds, even the scar tissue had disappeared. One physician said, even if I could explain how you got your voice back by coincidence, which I can't, I could never explain what happened to the scar tissue. Today, Miller is pastor of Pinnacle Church, serving the Cedar Creek Lake area of Texas. Ironically, he also hosts a daily program on a Dallas radio station, yes, using his voice to tell others about the God who he is convinced still performs miracles. And speaking of miracles, he says, God didn't just restore my life, he amplified it. I want you to hear the recording of that Sunday school class on that day when Miller got his miracle. So when the psalmist writes, and he heals all of my diseases, let me say to you that I believe God still heals. That hasn't ended. That is not over. Now you have to be careful on how you do this. Because there are folks who carry things to an excess, and it becomes a show. And God has never intended that that be what it is. God heals in his sovereign will. I don't know why. God does things that he does, but I know that he does. And the only thing he requires of me is to allow him to be God and me to be me and let it be. To say that every single person will always be healed because Jesus died on the cross is a misinterpretation of scripture. Not true. Won't work. Isaiah 53 doesn't talk about physical healing. I'm sorry. That's just not the context. And to impress that there 
causes a misinterpretation of Scripture. That's wrong. On the other hand, to say that, since we don't have anything after the book of Acts, that miracles ended at the book of Acts and they never happen again, is equally as wrong. Because you have put God in a box both ways. And he doesn't want to be in the box. So, the psalmist says, I'm excited. Bless the Lord, O my soul. One of his benefits is he heals all of my diseases. And then in verse 4 he says, And he redeems my life from the pit. Now, I like that verse just a whole lot. I have had, and you have had in times past, pit experiences. We've both had, we've all had times when our life seemed to be in a pit, in a grave. And we didn't have an answer for the pit we find ourselves in. And I don't understand this right now. I'm but overwhelmed at the moment I'm not quite sure what to say or do (laughs) I'm uh, Sounds funny to say at a loss for words. <laughs> you can pause it right there. Um, I would invite you, if you uh, Google Pastor Dwayne Miller's name, you can hear the rest of what he says, but right in the middle of talking about healing and and making sure that he was theologically correct to say that, that God doesn't always heal, he got healed. And uh, you can tell just by the gravity of the weight of what he's feeling at that moment and the people that are in that room at a small little Bible study that had invited him because they loved him so much heard him get healed in the middle of a Bible study where he was making sure he was careful about teaching about healing. Now, there are many, many miracle stories that I'm sure even some of you could come up and share, but I want to focus the rest of our time on the miracle story of the resurrection because that is what really we're being called to believe, believe in who Jesus is and what the Bible says about him. And we pick up the story in John 20, verse 19. When therefore it was evening, this is the evening of the resurrection day, so Sunday evening, if you will, on that day, the first day of the week, When the doors were shut, where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Shalom, or peace be with you. You've been listening to Believe, Part 1 on Walk in Truth, Pastor Michael's special teaching in John chapter 20 to help prepare you for Easter. Hey, if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our Free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts.
You'll also be able to listen to Pastor Michael's teaching in Revelation, Job, and many more. Again, search for and follow Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, as we think about miracles, the ultimate miracle is the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we go through different miracle accounts, uh, modern day miracles, and then of course taking us to the most important miracle of all, the resurrection of Jesus. And I want to let you know that if you're a believer and you are sharing with an unbelieving friend or family member, this would be an excellent message to pass along to them. Sometimes people will listen to something you recommend and it will help lead them to Christ. And I would encourage you to use John chapter 20 called Believe to do just that. It's available, of course, on all the the uh, platforms we've been telling you about as to how you access Walk in Truth. And uh, make sure you avail yourself to that. Use this to share with others because it's powerful. And uh, I'm so glad you're listening. Our team is so grateful for all of you who pray for us, partner with us. We'll see you right here. Lord willing, tomorrow. God bless you. And just a reminder that this is a listener-supported ministry. Would you consider becoming a partner for $5 a month? We're blessed to know that these teachings reach thousands of listeners just like you every weekday through our radio partners and through the podcast. If you've been listening for some time now and you're blessed by this ministry, if you've learned something from Pastor Michael's teachings, or if you've been encouraged, please help others like you. Visit walkintruth.com to donate. That's walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael's special teaching preparing you for Easter called Believe. I'm Mike Massaro, and thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.